Hello, and welcome to this very musical episode of the Silmarillion Film Project. We are, to remind you, if you're just listening, streaming video and everything live um, <clears throat> on YouTube, I think. And we also have our GoToWebinar live. And uh, I am your co-host, Dave Kale, and I'm joined, as always, by the token professor, Corey Olson. And as I alluded to earlier, this is one of our our um, um, patented music episodes. So we are joined, uh, as we always are on the music episodes, by our very special guests and uh, wonderful creators, Philip Menzies and Tony Mead. How are you guys? <clears throat> I would say very good well, evening, thanks. but of course, Philip, it's, uh, it's uh, the middle of the afternoon for you. <laughs> <laughs> right. So Philip's, Philip's joining, joining us from the other side of the world. That's right, from Australia. And Tony, where are you located right now? Uh, Denver. Denver, right. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we're not we're... quite as far from me as Australia. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. In fact, he's but the closest higher. one to you. But, in but the... it's like we're time traveling because Phil's in, you know, on Friday. So exactly, it's already tomorrow for yes. Phil. So That's him. Yes. That's right. Bizarre. Even though I'm, even though I'm in the Blue Mountains, uh, Middle Earth itself, I'm sure Tony, you are much higher in altitude than yes. I am. We only have pretend mountains in Australia. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I see the Misty Mountains out of my window every day. Yes, <laughs> that's pretty yeah. cool. That's this is great. Cool. We got we got a lot of geography here today. Represented. Sure do. Um, sure and do. Some wonderful with some wonderful sounds to accompany the uh, the beautiful geography. Absolutely. Yeah, it's um uh it's really uh this is uh, this is always one of the really fun episodes. I mean, it was something that we kind of talked about at the very beginning. Of course, we're always really grateful for all the creative contributions uh from our whole team, you know, uh the Film Film Project, you know, which started just as a podcast, you know, me and Dave and Trish just kind of talking about stuff, right? And uh, you know, grew into this larger community project. And one of the mm -hmm. things which has really uh enriched the program and of course, you know, our uh our Folks from our writers' room have been uh, with us regularly uh, all season long, and that's been really wonderful. Um, uh, but one of the things that has really enriched uh, the Silm Film Project uh, very greatly uh, has been the work of our musical team, um, as it's you know it's one of the things that was very high on my list of things that it would be really cool, you know, to, <laughs> to have and to think about more and to actually uh, be able to hear. Um, is is music because of course you know musical score is so powerful and there are so many ways in which um you know the the music can be used to kind of bring things together and bring out themes and um and uh kind of connect the ideas um uh you know bring together the ideas that we uh, talk about um uh when we're planning the seasons and stuff uh so you know we started doing this way back in season one right uh mm -hmm. philip i think um and right. um uh so yeah it's you know this is now the fifth time uh that we uh have uh stopped for some musical compositions and thinking about uh the, and of course the way we've been doing this is kind of thinking through in terms of like team uh themes and 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 and, and motifs and uh generally um, but of course we also have, you know, and we've often had those associated with, uh, particular characters, right? And, um, uh, and of course we have uh, a couple other special songs. We had a special song last year, uh, which was the Oath of Fanor song in season four, which was really, uh, which was really cool. Um, 
And then this year we have uh, another song, episode one of season five, uh, featured the arrival of the House of Beor into the West, into Beleriand. Um, and we had them, you know, the, the script called for them to be singing a song uh, as they came in. Uh, so we had the special composition of that. So we're going to um, we're going to start uh, we're going to start. Uh, with that song. First, pause just briefly for announcements because, of course, it is the fall fundraising campaign for Signum University, so I cannot forbear to make the announcement about that. Um, uh, you know, it's the time of year in which we always stop and thank everybody who has made generous donations uh, to help support Signum University. Uh, gen uh, donations to Signum, of course, are completely tax deductible and um, uh, really uh, wonderful to have the support of our community. We've raised already $63,000 um, uh, in support of Signum this year for our annual fund and gifts and pledges. Uh, our goal is $100,000 for the year. Um, so we, 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 we've done wonderfully so far, still have a ways to go, uh, really, really value all of the support, uh, from our whole community there. So if you've never made a donation to Signum University, I ask you to consider doing that this year as we, uh, continue our fall fundraising drive. And remember that this year we are doing, uh, we're doing a weekly drawing, um, we do the drawing on Wednesday nights. So we're now in the, in the midst of the third week of our, uh, the third drawing that we've done. Um, uh, which is everybody who makes a donation during the week is entered into this drawing and the winner of the drawing gets either um, gets basically one of our you know a one course from uh, one of our areas uh, for free so you get either a month of Signum Academy Clubs our kids program um, uh, one of our Signum Path courses one uh, an anytime audit seat uh, for one of our graduate courses or uh, one of our new space modules. We're launching a new program called the Space Program, uh, Signum Portals for mm. Adult Continuing Education, uh, which is uh, a, a really broad continuing mm. education uh, program. Uh, and it's going to be really cool. I'm uh, really excited about it. I'm going to be I'm going to be making some announcements about that, doing uh, so a full explanation of our space program and opening registration for our uh, space modules uh, next Saturday on the 16th of October at our um, annual fundraising webathon at the end of our campaign. Um, so that's going to be happening next week. <laughs> Dave, I'm doing a fun experimental thing uh, during the webathon as well. So I was invited to do a Reddit AMA um, with oh the, the uh, Tolkien uh, fan group on, on Reddit. So I, uh, so I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do, I'm going to do an AMA but I'm going to stream it. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to live stream me doing the AMA so that I can like talk about my answers to the questions that I get asked with the people on the stream while I'm answering it. So it's going to be a little meta uh, and uh, possibly a little, a little chaotic uh, there, but it, it should be fun. Which, uh, which, which subreddit are you doing? Um, it's uh, I'm trying to remember exactly. Is it Tolkien fans? Um, uh let me see. Hang on. I can find it. Um, well, that's definitely a real, that's a real subreddit. It is. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's the one where uh, Carl Hostetter just did one recently to talk about his new book. Um, Howard ah, Shore yep, was just is. on there a little while ago. Um, same one. Um, yeah. I'm trying to, I, I want to make sure that I, uh, uh, I, I, I say the right subreddit. 
and don't screw that up. But um, I think I think that's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when are you doing this? Talking again? fans. That's the one. Yep. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, that's gonna be it's gonna be at two p.m. Eastern time on uh, on the sixteenth is when I'm doing that when I'm doing my uh, two way live <laughs> AMA performance. Uh, so anyway, so there's gonna be lots of fun stuff happening uh, on the sixteenth, and I said I'll be I'll be announcing and describing an opening registration for a new space program and everything, all that. So um, and don't forget, as I say, you'll get entered into a drawing to get a free module or a free. Um, uh, you know, a, you know, a ticket to any one of our programs. Um, uh, every week, uh, we draw from one of our donors. So everyone who support, we just, we, we, we enjoy giving stuff back to our donors, especially during the fall fundraising campaign to just thank everybody for their support. So, and the last thing, Middlemoot is this weekend, the day after tomorrow. I am uh, going to be leaving. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be flying out about five hours after we finish tonight uh, to uh, go out to Iowa and uh, hang out with folks there for Middlemoot. Um, you can still attend either in person if you're in the uh, general Iowa area or you can uh, attend digitally. Um, uh, just go to Signum University. Uh, org slash events and you can find the registration link for Middlemoot so you can still join us there on um, it, you know, for Middlemoot. Mike Drought is coming. He's going to be giving a talk um, uh, on philology which is going to be, which is going to be, I love hearing Mike Drought talking about philology. Uh, so that's going to be great fun. And that's what's happening. Now let us get back to uh, uh, let us get back oh, to the music here. So um Tell me about, you know, so uh, Philip and Tony, tell me a little bit about how the collaboration on the Light in the West kind of came about. How did, did, because uh, um, the, the, the text of the song was written as part of the, uh, for, uh, part of the ongoing, the, the script out, script outlining and, 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 and designing, right? right? Yes. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was the script that the, the words are directly from the, uh, from the script that uh, was written by Rhiannon from the right. from the script team. Um, at that stage, I was sort of busy with a with a whole lot of uh, songs, so I threw it over to Tony and thought they're they're wanting a folk song type feel, and I thought Tony had the right um, musical background and experience to be able to and and came up with a demo in like a day or two, which was which was fantastic. <laughs> Um, and I know Tony, whether you want to talk about part of your creating process and how you how you uh, uh, came up with the the tune. Yeah, so um, yeah, since we had the lyrics, most of the lyrics, like ninety percent of the lyrics, um, you know, that's and the, the the funny thing is, like, that's not really how I usually work. You know, as a as a songwriter who works alone, right? Usually the lyrics are last. You know, usually you're either writing melody. And then you figure out the chords and then you do the lyrics or the other way around. But all, you always, the lyrics usually come last. So and I have done stuff like that before, but it was, it's always interesting. And, and so the first thing I had to do was pull the lyrics out of the script and kind of put them in a, a more of a stanza format. And they did lend themselves to a verse chorus, verse chorus sort of thing. The only real changes that I made to the lyrics, there were um, maybe a dozen, half dozen, very minor changes to certain words to make it work more mm -hmm. musically. Mm -hmm. uh, the only thing was, I think it's the third verse um, was only half a verse. It was only half of the rhyming quatrain. So I wrote the, the second two lines of that and 
let's make sure to use very Tolkienian language like sundering and stuff like that. Um, but uh, so once that was once I had that, um, rather you know rather than trying to do the melody right away, the, the biggest thing was to try to figure out what the rhythm was. So you know once I found out figured out what that rhythm was, and it kind of lent itself to the sort of sea shantyish sort of three four kind of waltzy thing. Um, that gave me the rhythm for the whole thing, and the lyric the lyrics really sort of fit in that. And then it was just a matter of figuring out what to do with the actual music. The the music is it's not the same, but it's sort of inspired and sort of feel to a really old kind of obscure Christmas song called um, "Tomorrow Should Be My Dancing Day," um, mm. so, which is a, a you know three four song. So I, I, I it's kind of based on that sort of feel. And then once I had that, and I kind of had the melody, and then everything else kind of fell together as far as the, as far as the music. The one thing that I did want to make sure of is um, because Phil was specific that it needed to be, you know, more of a folk song, and, and which makes sense because you're dealing with men at the sort of very beginning, you know, of their incursions into the West. Um, it should be simple. It should be something that, you know, anybody could remember, anybody could sing, um, and also have this sort of call and response kind of thing going on because yeah, I, I, I was kind of joking with Phil. I was like, it should be kind of like a revival meeting a little bit because <laughs> it, is a, it is a slightly religious song. It has a slightly, right. you know, because, you know, they are, to me, would have been something like, you know, like a Moses or a, a Joshua right. figure, right. you know, leading these people in the promised land. So he has yeah, sort, sort of a prophet thing going on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, having a sort of call and response thing made sense where, you know, the people, the leaders would sing the important stuff and then everybody else would answer back with the thing that we're all celebrating. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it, from my memory of that uh, script and outline, it was designed to be a walking, like this is the song that they sang while they were, you know, on the, yeah. on the March, you know, while they're, well, it's certainly uh -huh. when we see them singing it uh, in the episode itself. So, um, uh, so yeah, uh, oh, and I kind of think of those old because you know I grew up in um, in the country with you know very country Baptist churches where people you go literally down to the river to do baptisms and people would sing those kinds of songs as you walk down to the river kind of thing. right right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Uh, Nick is saying uh, that uh, a sea shanty is a good comparison. Uh, you know, the, the song gets reprised in episode eight, uh, in which there's a bunch of other work songs, you know, that people are just like singing while they work together. Um, so that kind of an idea of that, that, that yes, this is not a, uh, this is not a concert piece you know this is this is not even something that you know you would sing in like in a drawing room right in front of a small audience or something like that this is a this is a, a communal um sing while you walk sing while you work uh kind of uh kind of song mm -hmm. so yeah that's definitely and even and even when phil did his uh orchestral arrangement the one thing i was really kind of adamant about is i wanted that core that core melody to stay very strong um and not, you know, so that it was that that core thread through it, even if the gets really elaborate or whatever, that core thread would be very strong through it. Yeah, because I mean, mm -hmm. you, you got to imagine that. I mean, we we know that their you know instruments were relatively uh, limited, right? That the that the men uh -huh. had before they came into Balerion. So you got to imagine, you know one person strumming on the rude harp, right? Um, or um, a uh, tabor or something like that. Yeah. Right, exactly. Somebody playing, yes, yeah, somebody playing a fife, somebody playing a recorder or something like that. It, it would uh -huh. need to have a melody that could be played on a single instrument um, like that. Um, uh -huh. 
Yeah. It totally makes sense. Did you want? Did you want to have a listen to Tony? You've you've released that. Uh, released the light of the West um, on your own um, music publication uh, forums. Right. I, I did my I did you know, my version of my what what it would sound like if I was doing it basically you know in my version. Which one do you, uh, should we play? Should we play the uh, Tony? Should we play your version there? Yeah, let's do my version first because it's a little shorter, and then we okay. can go into Phil's version. Okay, great. All right, here is Tony's version. When my forefather's father awoke in the east, he looked at the sun in the sky, and he heard its clear voice as the day dawned anew, and the golden light shone in his eye. Now seek for the light, the light in the west, and follow the sunlit road thither. To a land fair and free from the shadow of death, to a land where the plants never wither. Some folk bade him stay, do not follow the day, but a greater folk heard the call. And so they were sundered from kin in the east, their shadow could fall on them all.
So if I can, <clears throat> uh, one little anecdote, Tony, about this song and its, uh, uh, its chorus. <clears throat> At Mythmoot this past year, we were doing, uh, we did a perform, we did a, a, a dramatic reading of episode eight where it gets reprised. And if you remember, the reprisal of this song is done by the drunken youth uh, at the beginning around the ill-advised bonfire for which they get in trouble. And um, we had two sessions, uh, one session where we did the casting, where people who wanted to be involved in the reading came and were cast, and then the second time when we actually performed the reading. Um, but I had a conflict. I was scheduled in another thing at the same time. And I just told Marie, who was there, I said, Marie, just cast me wherever. I don't care. You can cast me for whatever you want. And so she, she's like, okay, we cast you as the drunken youth. <clears throat> so you're supposed you're supposed to be drunk and singing the Light in the West song, and I was like, and I, I had not much warning about this, and I was like, okay, all right, and I hadn't I had heard it once, I, you know, like you know, I, I heard it when it was when you when you were first working on it before I heard a, a draft version, yeah, or something. probably that earliest acoustic demo that I did, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so I was like, okay, I better go listen to that again, and I was, you know, I was totally planning like I'm gonna have to like listen to this to make sure I, you know, I'd. Because I mean, I'm on the one hand, I'm supposed to butcher it, but it has to at least sound plausible, right? Like I'm butchering, butchering a song I actually know. Um, uh, but the the cool thing, like I just I listened to it once, and like not only did like I was I perfectly able to like remember the melody and sing it after listening to it one time. I had it in my head for like the next two days. <laughs> so so I was like, yeah, no, that's that's perfect. That worked exactly the way it was supposed to work. So yeah, it was good. And then I think Marie was making that's, it up to me that's, by that's, also that's catching really the, that writing, writing pop songs, like finding something that can hook people and, and you can remember. I mean, I still will catch myself singing it. I'm like, oh yeah. I mean, even lots of my songs are like that, but especially stuff like this where I'll be like, oh yeah, I wrote that. I forgot right. that I wrote that, you know, because it's just <laughs> feel like it always existed, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's good. It's, it's I mean, it's, it's, and it, it's not only, you know, it's it's not only good it, it it works really well for like how it you know is intended to work for like the it fills very well the 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 niche that it has um the um the the three four time is really interesting it works really well i mean it's a it's it's a fairly fast three four time so you i mean um like a you know anyway i it it, it but it's nice because it it provides it has a nice beat like you can totally imagine walking along to it right uh -huh. but the three four time makes it bounce you know a little bit as you're going along yeah. which i think is a really like cool said, that imagining of the you know the people going down to the river and walking and singing that song it kind of that's where it kind of came from yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh 
Yeah, that's great. So well, um, we didn't get a we didn't get a recording of you doing the drunken version of it, did we? So we can release <laughs> alongside these. You know, there is a recording of that out there somewhere. I think I'm pretty sure that exists. We need this. We need this. I'm stat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not. I'm not sure that's going to be an instant classic. But uh, um, uh, yeah, exactly. Marie says we did record Myth Moots. Yeah, exactly. Somewhere in the Myth Moot recording, uh, that uh, that little that precious little snippet is buried. I think uh mercifully um but um yeah yeah um right oh no alan i wasn't saying that not to step on every beat uh but i was thinking like basically on every you know triad basically every every uh-huh. you know uh you know one two three step two three step two three step two three is kind of what uh-huh. i was what i was thinking as far as that but yeah. again it works really well like that because it doesn't i mean you can't have a you can't have a marching song that you know pushes too cruel a, a pace <laughs> upon you right like, yeah, like, yeah, you're writing, you're writing like a march in like you know 11 8 or something like that yeah <laughs> right right exactly <laughs> uh but yeah yeah so it's um but again it's the fact that it's not just a like a four four you know um uh walk uh-huh. makes it more you know, bouncy and dancey as you're going forward, which is, which is a good thing, you know, especially in the, in the circumstances. And, you know, and I was reflecting on that, thinking about, uh, you know, the lyrics as we were listening to it there again as well is, you know, the, you know, the song is designed to be, um, on the one hand, it's like a teaching tool, right? Where it's, you know, Bayor trying to help everybody understand where they're going, but it's also motivation, Right. Like this is this is why we're doing this. Right. This is why we're trekking, because, you know, we're headed off into this wonderful place where the plants never wither um, uh, and, and all that. So, again, that, that it should be upbeat uh, and bouncy, though. Also, Tony, as you were saying, reverent. I mean, it is uh, it is, uh, 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 you know, there very much is a way uh, in which it's a religious song as well. So. And- and also, I think it also kind of gives it a little bit of an archaic feel because a lot of medieval music is in three time. Yes. Um, especially, especially religious music is in three time. Um, right. As I, when I last year, I was I did a you know big giant eighteen song Christmas album, most of which was medieval and Renaissance songs, and I kind of you know, did a modern arrangement. And a lot of that stuff is in three, four, and six, eight. Interesting. So, you know, yeah, because it, for some reason it kind of lends itself to that kind of thing. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, Nick. Nick's reaction was it has a very Alan Adele kind of feel. And I think that's what he's hearing mm-hmm. is that kind of medieval um, uh, uh, thing, that kind of medieval tendency. The other thing I really liked about the lyrics was the way that Rhiannon did it, where you have, you have a, a thing for the people who are there and then you have a, a history of men and then their encounter with the dwarves and the encounter with the elves. And it, it, all, it kind of serves as a little bit of a history lesson for him. It's almost like three years mm-hmm. Uh, rhyme where he you know, like you know where he has, he has this rhyme of lore and in a way it's, it's a little bit like that too right right so it's both mm-hmm. both a history of what we have encountered to this point and you know the memory of what we are shooting for and you know mm-hmm. why we are why we are doing it yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah no that's great yeah so, so for, uh what were you thinking? So you did uh, you did a, a different instrumentation version of this? Yes, yes. So I was coming at, at it from the point of view is that I wanted to make something more uh, uh, cinematic. 
this right. this this is this is uh, how it would uh, how it would be in in the uh, in in the scene in, in episode in one yeah. if you were yeah. if you were to see. The only problem is if you go back to say the Hobbit movies, how how many of us were thrilled when we saw the first trailer and heard uh-huh. the dwarf car singing far over the misty mountains cold. Mm-hmm. And then how many of us were disappointed, so disappointed when we got to the movie and there was only one or two lines extra. We only got two verses. We didn't get, but we wanted the whole song. The whole we song. We wanted right? the whole song, but we didn't right. get it. Right. So, and I understand. They didn't, do it on the, they didn't do it on the soundtrack either. On the soundtrack, it's, no. they never did more of it on the soundtrack. No, no, they, they <laughs> never did it. And that's, I understand the reasons for doing that. It was doing the whole, the whole poem was not going to move the story along. And right. I looked at the script uh, that, that Rhiannon had written and I thought, that's five minutes of people walking over the mountains. That's a long time for people to be walking over the mountains, watching <laughs> them sing. It has to do something more. Right. So so I've done more with this. And as Tony said, this is the history of the people. So I've tried to bring in, um, and I would imagine that uh, the visuals that I've used would be like flashbacks um uh of of their backstory so that we get an understanding that they started from hildorian when the sun first arose then they encountered dwarves then they encountered elves so it would be would be extra footage to really fill in those blanks and we've only had those brief glimpses of morgoth uh when he went to the elves uh, went to the men last season Right, right we haven't seen anything else the history of men has been totally hidden from us Right. And we're not and we don't spend a lot of time in exposition explaining that, you know, during episode one and two. Um, So, yeah. So the idea is to basically use this song, um, not only, Tony, as you were suggesting, as like an immediate history of the House of Beor there, but as background for, you know, the uh, for the arrival of humans, basically. What have they been mm, up to and what mm. have they been doing? Yeah. And, and yeah. another thing I liked, I liked in Rhiannon's lyrics that she did is that she, she doesn't refer to dwarves as dwarves or elves as elves. She says men who are like this because they're still coming at it from a completely human perspective and that's the only way they can see things. Right, 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 right. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so, so, yeah, I went to work on it. And also I did this after we had our um, mid-season uh, discussion about mm-hmm. music. So I took on board some of the things that you, uh, that we spoke about in that session. Um, and I thought about different modes. Um, so I've, so as you'll see from it, um, it's really in three, in, well, in a few, four, four sections, initial bit, mm-hmm. just the people walking, singing unaccompanied a really, really big um, cinematographic um, scene where we get the, um, the the theme being stated again by the instruments, which is exactly what they did, what Howard Shaw did in, in the Hobbit movies, mm-hmm. um, Lord of the Rings. Um, and then I've done the three stories about uh, them leaving their kin uh, and the dwarves and the elves in three different styles to show to really showcase the cultures of those of 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 humans dwarves and elves but also what i've done um the the dwarf section is a lot of brass and drums um but it also um also it does a lot of the fifth just does the 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 fifth chord Miss, missing out the third note because that determines whether it's a major or minor. Mm-hmm. So 
it's almost pushing it into the Mixolydian um, mode, which is we talked uh, about modes last time. Yeah. So the dwarves sort of got pushed into Mixolydian, nice. and the and the elves sort of got pushed into Lydian because oh. I was able to do a um, a a major a major um, lift like that, in the, right. in, and it alters the it alters uh, Tony's chord structure a bit. But it adds an, an alienness to it, right. um, and and these are elements that I that, that I've used later on when I did my piece on the Atrabeth, which we'll see later on. But also another another thing you'll notice in the elf part is there are lots of random instruments, and it sort of it adds again to that unexpected alienness of of elves compared to humans. Cool. All right. Well, let's, oh, let's and this is the first. Oh, right. This season has a few firsts. First is uh, other contributor, contributors other than myself. So well done, Tony. And um, we've got another one by Megan Searle later on. Um, second one, this is my first one with actual video. <laughs> oh, I've okay. never had a video with real okay. video. Okay. It's only dog video, but it's video nonetheless. Cool. Cool. All right. It's it, it, it's it, I love the way that you 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 kind of give us a little visual idea, right? Some 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 visual cues to accompany the different parts of the music. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. That. And ima- imagine imagine the people the the camera being able to see the people as they're walking over the mountains. Right. Right. Great. Okay. Here we go. The sun first arose. It arose in the west. And ever hath guided us thither To a land fair and free from the shadow of death To a land where the plants never wither We seek for the light, the light in the west We follow the sunlit road thither To a land fair and free from the shadow of death To a land where the plants never wither Seek for the light, the light in the west. 
to a land where the plants never wither. To a land where the plants never wither. Oh, oh man, Phil, the transition, the, the modal transitions are brilliant. That was that worked so well. Oh my goodness! I I like the dwarf one, but the elf one was amazing. Like that the 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 way that it, yeah that that transition, um, man, that worked even better than I thought it might work. That is so cool. Um, so got, much cooler than some, yeah. So yeah. go ahead. Oh, we got some help along the way as well. Uh, we got a group of people to sing as well. And uh, as Tony said, the chorus needed to be bolstered. All, all the people, uh, and they were people from yeah. my choir and people who listen to film film and follow you. Um, so they, they all record and send in. Tony mixed it all, um, which was fantastic. But little Easter eggs in there because we've, we also had some dwarf harmonies in there that were doing oh. really low bass harmonies but at one point there they're singing seek for light in the west <laughs> and same with the elf we had soprano voices they're singing the same thing seek for light in the west um behind it all so there's sort of like that encouragement from those people to to, to follow follow yeah. your dreams do do what you need to do yeah, the way that it kind of um, those the choruses like right after the dwarf part and right after the elf part, the way that those choruses, uh, you know, kind of incorporate the the you know the the modal um, uh, you know transition for you know it, from those sections, but also just like run consistently through it, right? I mean, you know, and Tony with oh. your. Uh, lead vocals, which of course is really great to have, you know, like basically the voice of Bayor, right? Be, you know, the strong right. thread, you know, the strong, you know, leading the way all the way through. Um, the consistency of that, right? You know, just like the, uh-huh. the, the repetition of the chorus, uh, you know, in your voice, which is unaltered, despite the fact that the, you know, the tone, the, 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 you know, the, uh, the mode of the music behind it is changing was so cool. The, the melody does, the melody does change ever so slightly in the elf, the elvish chorus, okay. sorry, the elvish verse, because of the shift in mode, I think it's the Lydian mode, um, the, a couple of the notes then have to go up a semitone, so then it gives them this kind of slightly, like, alien slightly right. alien it's basically the same melody the same melody notes but now in that mode right um so it gives a slight mm-hmm. a slight shift and i like that dramatically and that it, it kind of show it kind of showed that this is the point where men start to change a yes bit, you know? exactly yeah uh, really <clears throat> um influenced by and kind of accommodating themselves to the elves yeah no i loved that i mean just yeah. feeling that feeling the way that it was you know it it, it didn't give the sense of like you know, no matter whom we meet, like we are stubborn and we remain the same, you know, going through. I mean, there was that kind of constancy right through it. Um, and yet not, you know, a mere like, OK, you know, it wasn't like we shift to this one mode, you know, for like the verse and then like, boom, back to the, you know, the original mode for the for the chorus. Um, yeah, I, 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 I didn't I can't pretend to have noticed that shift in the uh in the in the but i kind of felt it like i could feel that it Mm -hmm. was 
accommodating to the mode. Like I could feel that the the elf mode was still happening right through the through that through that chorus, and that's that that works really really well. Though again, it's not like it sounded like it. It didn't make it a different song. You know, it was still very mm-hmm. constant, and yet, um, and yet altered. Uh, that is, that is, and, and that's, that's what I was yeah. really. You know, I wanted to keep as much of it the same as I could, but just shifted that just a little bit to to, to match what the, that new that new section. Yeah. So you had and build on the on the, um, the sorry the, the mode that you had for the elves was Lydian. Lydian, yes, yes. Lydian, yeah. So Lydian's characterized by um, a major, major, minor run. So it would be. So, oh, so, yep, yep, so major. Right, right, cool. So, um, yeah, the, the uh, recognisable uh, uh, tunes in that in Lydian mode is um, E.T., the extra the scene from E.T., uh-huh. which goes... Um, right 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 it does that and it just adds that lift that that um that 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 one note lift up to there um which Mm -hmm. makes all the difference in in in, in a song and on the dwarfs the dwarf section i noticed when you went to the mixolydian and you were using the one and five chords with no the no no third in it you know on a guitar we call those power chords those no, are metal right. chords. So that means that the dwarves are metal. You know, we're <laughs> right. yeah. metal. totally works. <laughs> it yeah. totally works. <laughs> yeah. Um, awesome. Well, that was so cool. I, I mean, I'd, I I was uh, throwing out random ideas in our previous music session, Phil, and you <laughs> made it work just gorgeously. Um, yeah, thank you guys both so much for that. That's uh, it's, it's a really really fun collaboration. Um, I mean, just like thinking of all of the w- the ways in which this song kind of brings together so much of season four, right? You know, the ideas that we're you know throwing out there in the uh, in the broadcast, the the you know the ideas that the you know script folks are working on, and Rihanna's lyrics mm-hmm. there, and then uh, you know the two of you guys working together and bringing in the bringing back the film film singers uh from uh, uh from from last time so uh yeah it's um how many vocal tracks did we end up with phil it was like 20 um, or something wasn't it yeah yeah i think i think in the end we had about um eight about eight eight or so people uh contribute vocals and some of them did multiple so some of them did right. uh more harmonies uh some of the women did uh elf harmonies as well so yeah, I want to say it was like twenty-two vocal tracks. At the, you know, so when you get to the, when you get to the, you know where the where the chorus is really heavy, you know you have literally a whole choir full of people singing. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Very cool. And so yeah, cool. Well, yeah. Well, well done, Tony, for mixing the mixing the vocal the audio for that uh, well beyond my capability. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very good. Very good. Awesome. Well, we should move forward so we don't get uh, we don't end up uh, getting too late here. But um, so the the next piece is uh, the House of Beor theme. Yes. Right? So, yes. So like we've done before, where we had uh, kind of well, basically, in, you don't have exactly three totally different themes for the three different houses of the Eldar. We had it was basically three different variations, kind of right. 
Um, yeah, yeah. We, we, we had a, a defining characteristic, and with the elf houses, that was they all started, because there are three kindreds of the elves, they all started with uh, one note being played three times. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was peppered throughout each of those themes. So whenever you hear that, that in any form, you should, if you listen to the music, you should know that that's an elf tune. Right. Um, so yes, I've done a similar thing for for the for humans, um, and uh, the the house of Bior. I felt that it had to um, it had to start from the light in the west. So basically, it follows the same chord structure that Tony um, uh, gave us for the light in the west. And um, the um, and the, the defining characteristic is this one five um, leap at the beginning. And if you go back and listen to the light in the west, you'll actually hear just just at the beginning of the instrumental section, you'll hear the horns making this call. So that is now going to, and I'll get up to why that why that is in the track after this. Okay. Um, but yes, yes. So all the three human human tracks, Bior, um, uh, Palath, and Haddle, all 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 start off with that one five leap. And also when we get to Harrod, we have that right. as well. Nice. Nice, good. So we can, can we continue that through into the yep. uh, third age and beyond. That's great. Um, so and now this is also I see this is also called Wise Woman. So this also is going to yes. basically become Andreth's theme in the second half of the season. Yes, yes, it will. So there's a little section, um, and but 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 what I wanted what I wanted it, uh, it to show was that it was the wisdom that made the people seek for the light in the West. Right. That is the wisdom that that, that right. the wise women have. So, so therefore, the the little motif for the wise woman is part of the light in the west tune. Right. Okay. Um, yep. I know whether you want to go straight into it and then yeah, talk about yeah, it afterwards because we yeah, probably yeah, we'll talk about it more. Okay. Thank you. 
Excellent. So the the shifts in instrumentation are really interesting there, right? That you know you, we get the the really dramatic moving to Nargothrond moment, right? Uh, and the yeah. uh, so tell me about what uh, what I mean. Up, 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 so the thing that I can comment on most, right? You know what was most obvious upon uh, you know listening through there uh, is the shift in instrumentation, the Nargothrond part, then the Ladros part, and then the Wise Woman part, and then the the oh. kind of coming together, which was kind of blending the Wise Woman and the the Ladros uh, elements a bit at the end there, right? Yeah, I, I always do try and find a counter melody, and um, it's yeah. So there's a, a little bit of a hint of the wise woman at the end there with that da 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 da. Right. Um, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, very, very sort of grand in the in the mm -hmm. Nagathrond um, section there. Um, could you believe how hard it is to find pictures of Nagathrond that don't have Turin in them? Oh my! Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, he gets all yeah, the Yeah, but and and I even added in um, Carillion, Carillion, the bells. But one thing you might notice in all of the instrumentation is that there's this um, continual. There's a downward trend of all the instrumentation. Da 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 da. da to give that idea of um, servanthood, submission. They are submitting to the elves. They're becoming servants by going to, even though it's all grand, right. um, there, there is that underlying current that the instrumentation is pointing out. And, and what would really, uh, when I had a look at, uh, at, at the script, the end of the end of uh, a script uh, for uh, episode one, what I really loved was that when the humans finally get to Nagathrond and they walk in, they bow. Right. <laughs> I right. really picked up on that. That and and the music will will reflect that and go dun da 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 when they bow before the elves when they arrive. Right. Right. And it is. I mean, it is a, a sudden increase in grandeur at that moment. But as you say, it's not like the the musical lines in that place are like uplifting and and uh, you know it's it's not something that takes you up and soars right it is uh grand mm, mm. but pointing downwards as you say i like that i like that and of course it also dovetails with not i'm not trying to transition yet because it's not yet time so several things we want us to talk about with this one but peeking ahead to where we're going next um that kind of downward trend also is really apt right as the mm -hmm. you know the general trend towards decline and old age and death is of course a major theme in the first three episodes as well as you know we're introducing the elves to mortality um, so having again that um, that downward trend also works really well in that regard as well. Mm, it does. So I, really, I really like uh, the way that you use the snippets of the light in the West in there as if it was like, even though they've entered into this new world and it's very grand and it's very fancy and they're sort of moving on up like the Jeffersons, you know, there's still this echo of a memory of mm, where they came mm. from. Like they, they haven't forgotten, you know. Right. Right, and then the shift to to Ladros. Um, mm, what was mm, the mm. what was the stringed instrument that that you were using in the Ladros section? 
I think it was just guitar, just just, just guitar. guitar, and I'm not a guitar player, but Tony can probably tell me whether that was a typical plucking. I thinking back to when I used to watch my father play guitar, and that seemed to me a typical sort of plucking. I think it, it sounded like yeah, like a classical plug guitar with nails. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted yeah, I wanted something a bit more a bit more down to earth, um, and just with the flutes as well, um, doing the theme. There's there's nothing grand. That's there's nothing grand about this theme. Now it's just a simple theme once again like the light in the west um uh, something that something that reflects simple people going about their their everyday lives mm -hmm. uh -huh. mm -hmm. yeah now tell me about the wise woman theme the wise woman theme is kind of as you say the sort of the 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 secondary theme or sort of the counter yeah theme. yeah yeah so i just went back to the because my, my idea was that that the wisdom that we were looking for really has to be rooted in the wisdom that brought the people west in the first place. Right. Um, and the and and the fact that Adonel knows the history, uh, Adonel and Andreth know the history of their people, and and recall the 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 sort of the the, the hidden horror in their past right. with without knowing the details. So so that was what sent them west. And I just wanted to, and bring the viewer's mind back to that, 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 yeah, that, that, that particular theme again, just a reminder that that's why they left uh, the, the west, the, the, the eastern parts of Middle Earth. So it was just a, just that, and uh, then occasionally a, sorry, not looking what I'm playing, <laughs> but at least if you just have that. But just repeating it, just repeating that, and even though it's it, it's just that that line of four notes, no matter how it's repeated, you're still recalling the light in the west. Right, 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 exactly. But also, again, still that declining pattern. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yep. Cool. Um, <clears throat> neat. Okay. So. Now we can transition to the next bit, which is where we start talking about mortality. Now this theme, oh, I, hang on a second. So first of all, the House of Bayor theme, obviously we're going to, uh, now we're going to need uh, a little advance. Not that you couldn't see this one coming, but of course we're going to need the Baron theme for next season, which is presumably going to be building off of, uh, off of this, right? Um, oh man, I can imagine a whole play with the light in the west theme and concept and uh, you know his uh uh you know uh, and and mm. the light of luthien right i mean it's uh uh really easy to see how we could get some some really interesting play in there and the end for the athrobeth because there's there's in the end of the athrobeth when we get to it there is a merging of the two themes um, and that, that to me is the theme going forward into next season. Um, yeah. but I'll get, you'll get, I'll oh, find out your thoughts on that then. Um, but yes, yes, I've, I've loved to look, I'm really interested in how, in how themes mess, mess with your mind. Um, I've been getting into Star Trek a lot lately. I mean, I'm an old Star Trek fan from a long way back, but, um, particularly watching, um, Picard, um, mm -hmm. And there was a lot of talk online about how the theme was the from the inner light, the episode where he gets the flute at the end of the episode. And I'm listening and thinking, no, it's not the inner light. 
but what it does is it chooses elements from that and elements from the Star Trek thing that we know and adds them together to create something unique but reminiscent. Right. So that's the sort of approach, and I'll happy to talk yeah. about that another time. <laughs> it's it's well, just one of the things that's so much fun in talking this stuff through is that uh, you know, as you say, f- musical themes in TV shows and movies just kind of mess with you, right? I mean, yeah. half the time I'm barely even aware that they're there, right? I like, I mean, it's something fairly dramatic, musically speaking, has to happen before I'm like, oh yeah, listen to that music, right? I mean, usually it's just like it's it's, it's almost completely subconscious effect uh, that it's it having is. on you, so really kind of thinking through and discussing the ways that that is, you know, kind of, we sort of envision that working and seeing how that is, you know, interacting with and, uh, you know, upholding and um, uh, uh, sort of working, working with and working around and, and informing even the, uh, you know, the themes and the ideas and the characters that we're developing, I think is really, is, 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 is it's so, it's so much fun to well, talk I about mean, this stuff. There's, there's a great, there's a great moment in the Mandalorian where they, you know, throughout the entirety of that series they're using all new music they didn't use about one note of the john williams stuff until the last scene of the last episode and even though it had it very much has its own character and then it hits you with that one theme and you're like and, and it's, then you like oh wow did i get it i get it now we've been leading up to this right yeah yeah that's so cool all right, so um, so let's let's uh, talk about the gift of Iluvatar here. Um, so this is good. This is going to be brought out, I assume, primarily in episode. Was it episode three? three. I think was the you know the yes. the, the one about yes. the death of Beor. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So um, this this one, I'll just give a little preamble to it. Um, this is based on a tune by Carita, Carita Alexander, long time mm-hmm. listener. Um, and I actually wrote this in the first year uh, of film film. She was she was really enthusiastic and she said, oh, here's a tune that I've had for years and years. Uh, see if you can do something. And I listened to it and said, oh, that's perfect for the to represent the mortality of men. Um, and it's a real it's a really sad tune in the in, in minor key. Um, but it didn't just stop there. I sort of got to the end of it and thought it leads me into something else. And so I wrote onto it um, uh, another piece, which is sort of more uplifting. And when I looked at it afterwards, I said, this is really about the everyday life of humans. And it's about the ordinariness. Um, nothing, nothing grand. It's very simple. Um, and then when I came back to the, to the, to the death uh, the, the mortality of men uh, uh, theme. Another another theme came out then on top of that, over the top of it, and this is sort of rising up um, into some kind of crescendo. And it's something very, even though it's the same chord structure, it's something very different. And those attentive listeners will recognise this as the theme that I selected to play for the waking of men. And that is the gift of a Louvatar. Right. Right. Okay. So even though I've had this in the wings for years, I was able to pull it out for that very dramatic moment in the story. And it, it'll only now be fully revealed when we get to, which is a typical Howard Shaw thing. <laughs> right. Right. So we, uh, so it's, we start with the sort of sadness of death. 
right? Yes. But by the end, we it transitions towards kind of looking at the big picture, right? And thinking about the gift of a yeah, yeah, yeah. Sadness of death, reminiscence, reminiscence about life and how right. fulfilling humans human life has been. Um, the grander idea of 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 humans, um, but also in the end, I mingle the two themes together so you can't have one without the other that like death and and anything beyond death are intrinsically intertwined absolutely absolutely awesome okay well let's let's listen and we can talk about it a little more I love the overlay in the end, that last section, when those when the when the the mortality melody comes back uh, at the end. Uh, it was I was it was it was really powerful at the end there that that combination. Mm, mm, mm. And I don't know whether you noticed at the very end the high note is basically that long lasting note is a Louvertaz mm. note. 
Right. So it had to it had to be based in 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 the key of D um, <laughs> right. with the Louvertar. and and if you want Louvertars now can play right through the whole of that that particular section mm-hmm. as a sort of overarching. This is this is a Louvertars doing um, here. Right. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I love that. So is that 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 latter part of this song is the one you were thinking is like basically kind of the the um, sort of motif or theme for 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 the transition into next season? No, no, I sort of, um, I, as I said, I did this very early on. And okay. then uh, and then after our discussion partway through the season, um, I talk, thought about different modes. Um, so the Athrobet is somewhat different to this, but it does it does um, light on similar themes. Um, oh, that's right. It's the Atherbeth one that you said is the, the one. Yes, is. yeah, yeah. The Atherbeth one is the okay. one. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, so th- thank you to Karita for, for yeah. um, loaning oh. that, that, that melody. It's a really powerful um, melody there. Um, and this is where the link is to the Houses of Men theme. So the... Um, let me see. I'll just bring. I've got my scores in the background. The um, so that's the gift of the Louvertar theme. How it starts. So every and it's talking about the mortality of men. So every human theme is going to begin with that one five uh, right. rise. The one and so every human theme is reminding us of the mortality of of humans. Right. Right. Yeah. Awesome. So that, so that's the, it is, it is, it's literally mortality, right? That kind of connects the different houses of men themes together. Yeah. That's right. Exactly right. And even though it doesn't quite. And so um, that, that has been used. um, Of course, this is in episode three. It's been used in episode one and for the house of Bjor. But also beyond that, before that, I've used it in the, the hiding of Valinor theme with the the band of the valor i brought that in because that had to be a combination of human and elf themes um so it's just the um that that and then a bang 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 for the elves bang, 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 just to combine those two um so i have used it previously yeah yeah oh that's really cool nick says that he he loves how you know it, it, it's like you can hear the uh beating of Bayor's heart there at the end you know in the in the final yep. uh sequence yeah i think that's that's it's very cool awesome so when you were talking earlier about uh when you were talking earlier about you know the idea of death and love it made me think of that the Haldir quote where he talks about in all lands love is coming with grief and that makes it stronger that idea of those things do, do, do things make you mm-hmm. stronger yeah. mm-hmm. that's right very cool. Okay, so then we we transition to the, the our first other house, right? We, we through the first three episodes were very bay or heavy, right? Um, yep. And now we get uh, the house, the 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 Haladin here, um, in uh, as we as we move forward into the middle of the season here. Um, so, what were you thinking for the Haladin? What was your what was your kind of main concept uh, with them in their house? I wanted it to center around Halif as Mm -hmm. the character um and so the theme had to be her voice um i was inspired by um 
one of the themes from the Harry Potter movies, which was Lil- Lily's theme, which okay. is used for Snape. Right. Uh, and that's a very haunting, just uh, vocalising in, in the background. Um, and I got a very talented uh, Kathleen Dallin, um, who a uh, famous cosplayer, I believe. Um, <laughs> Marie, Marie put us in touch and she did a wonderful job of doing the vocals for Halif. Um, so it, it, the, the, this, this one just follows the house through their individual journey. Uh, I almost got sidetracked in the in the in the middle uh, with the, the stockade battle, but I resisted and put that into its theme all of its own in the next one, uh, Bulldog. Right. Uh, I thought Bulldog needed his own theme, um, so it goes through those like Halif as an as a character, uh, the stockade battle, um, the journey through Nandungorthed, and then their final resting place in Brethel and the differences that the theme undergoes as it goes through all those different stages to finally end up in that place of reasonable contentedness. Right, right. Yeah, really, I mean, as far as sort of peace and content, really the most contented and most peaceful of all of the three houses. I mean, the House of Hador is, mm. are happy where they end up, um, mm-hmm. but they're very much... It's it's different. It's not the same as the kind of peace and contentment that the Holodeen have in their place. And it lasts longer, too, uh, in Brethel. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that, now you did a separate Nend on Gortheb theme, right? Yes. Yes, I did. And this was where I had to I had to make a decision at this stage whether I incorporated all the elements of their journey. Um, and instead, I pulled out the, the, the enemy... Uh, orcs, orc type theme, which I hadn't done before, and, and also the Nandan Gortheb, which is used for um, Aradel's story as well. So I brought it out as something uh, separate. Okay. But right. but the music in this does really characterise. Now I must say I've used judicious editing of the text to <laughs> of the text of various Tolkien's text in this one to to basically get the audience to believe that. The events portrayed here in film film are actually backed up by the text. That's right. We're we're retconning the Silmarillion to match our scripts. We are. Yeah, we are. yeah clearly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's listen to House of Haleth.
Sorry, I was I was laughing in the middle at the the ch the shift in the text. That was fun. <laughs> that was very cleverly done <laughs> with the Tavildo section. Um, I am fascinated by. In fact, can I can I I want to hear again the um, the melody the the sung melody uh, at the beginning, yep. Yep. Uh, which was unexpected. I just want to hear it again. Right. Just that melody again. Unexpected is the word I keep wanting to use. Like it's it it keeps not going where I think it's going to go. That melody. Um, it's uh, I, I don't know if that is an observation about the melody or about my own bizarre expectations. But tell me more about that melody and and kind of like the 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 um, um, you know sort of the the style and mode of the, of that tune. Well. Halleth to me is not is not an incredibly happy character. Mm -hmm. um, like she undergoes sort of like um, she has greatness thrust upon her. I think this is an element that you've you've talked about during during the year and those uh, talking about Halleth. Um, yeah, responsibility thrust upon her, uh, mm -hmm. taking up the mantle of responsibility not because she wanted to, but because she was capable and because she had that, had that element of, of leadership, that, those leadership qualities. So it wasn't anything grand, it, but it, but it had to be in a way haunting and unsettling because, because it was not something of her own choosing. Um, so yeah, I wanted to put that haunting feel to it. Um, but at the at the end, um, the, the when they get to Brethel, it changes to from so it's in major for 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 the first uh, few movements, and then at the end it transfers into a major key um, when they it and starts in minor. It's you sort mean? of like a relief, right? Right. And it's and you can just imagine someone humming this while they're going about their normal uh, their normal daily duties. Mm -hmm. um, so, so yeah, that was where I was coming from with, 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 with this one. Yeah, definitely, definitely haunting. And it, it kind of, it, it has that sense of um, like transitioning, like the several times where it does the like halftone, you know, kind of slide up. Right. Uh, and, and, and kind um, of transition. Um, I, gave me the sense of of like you know of change of development like it's it's not just um as i say unexpected like it 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 did not carry me through to the like the resolution of the melody that i kept expecting right or feeling should yeah. come it just kept kept shifting and uh and and not um not just going yes, there, not just coming the, to resolution the... 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time, and it's unresolved. You, you are yeah. exactly right there. The, the ending of the melody is unresolved every single time through, uh, for initially for the stockade, for Nandun Gorthed, for Tavildo. It's not until we get to Breckel at the very end where you finally get that chord resolving, and there's a feeling of they've made it. Yeah. Yeah, it it does feel very much when you can feel that shift to the major at the end, right? With uh it's yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. I I I I love that that thing. and it doesn't feel it feels very different in in tone. I was trying to I was trying to place like what kind of uh you know, culture or, um, you know, sort of tradition was it, was it reminding me of, you know, that, that again, that, the the feel of it at the beginning, you know, and I, I couldn't really place it exactly. It, it feels a little Celtic to me, I think, okay. like Welsh sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps there are even times when I was, there were like little moments when it was making me think of like a Pacific Island, uh, kind of thing. Um, uh, but, um, but I wasn't, but it, but then I kept losing it. Like I, you know, I, I would like almost put my, be like, oh yeah, this sounds kind of, uh, you know, mm-hmm. um, but the, like, like Polynesian or something, but then no, no, it's not. No. <laughs> then it no, shifted no. away. It's not your typical, no, it's not, you're right. It's not your typical melody. Um, it does meander around and has no clear resolution, mm-hmm. um, until as I said, the, the, the very, very end of the, of, of the piece, um, so uh yeah look i'm not sure i have to go back and sort of analyze (laughs) often i do do things intuitively um it's not and i'll probably need to go back and i've sort of recently brushed up on the music theory so i'd better go better go along to all my scores putting in my roman numerals uh one (laughs) four five little six (laughs) right right yeah Exactly. Uh, just exactly. So, just so that I understand more what what I have been doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You mentioned you mentioned Lily's theme from uh, Harry Potter. Yeah. It definitely reminded me of that. And the great thing about a melody or a part like a part like that is that it can completely change in meaning depending on what image you're seeing it in context of. Because mm-hmm. you know they use that a bunch of different ways in in the last Harry Potter movie. They use it partly for the memories, but then they also play it. The last time you hear it is when Voldemort dies. So it, it adds that extra layer of this is sort of, you know, Lily's been sort of, you know, avenged or whatever, you know, at the end of that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. Um, okay, so the next one, the Bulldog theme emerged out of the Hala theme originally, the Stockade Battle? Yes, yes, yes. In the middle of the Stockade Battle and I, battle and I was thinking, oh, really need to do something about those orcs that are attacking and oh bulldogs leading them and he really needs a theme of his own he's like mm-hmm. he's like and i really haven't apart from uh melkor and sauron i haven't really delved into the the evil characters themes at all mm-hmm. um so uh once again i was taking on board what you were saying um last time and um around different times so this one changes times throughout but uh bulldog himself is a clear statement of his theme and it's got a six beat so it's um what is it um i'm not sure so it's it's a very quick six beat so it's one two three four five six one two three four five six one two three four five six six eight yeah yep 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 
Um, so rather than rather than um, uh, yeah, and then the orcs go into a traditional sort of four-four beat um, after that. But but every time Bulldog's there, the timing of the music changes. Okay. Okay. Seriously, and lots of brass, of course. Um, now for those people, and I mentioned Elvish themes before. Um, keep your ear out for the Elvish themes in here, and tell me what tell me what I've done to done to the <laughs> Elvish themes. All right, all right. I'll keep an ear out for that. Here we go. heard the i heard the the those were chords i mean that that what kind of chords are those that the, the bam, 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 yeah bam, yeah yeah. yeah exactly they're only semitone apart those two notes there yeah yeah um yeah and i wanted that to be a reminder of the origin of the orcs and every other elvish tune that we've had it's always a pure note right. and this is that sort of that clashing you can't get any closer unless you go into another culture's music um but can't get any closer notes than 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 uh semitone difference right right yeah so you get the semitone difference of the, so the, the, making the corrupted elf uh yeah. theme right yeah yeah and of course, with the way that that gets combined, especially with the percussion, it, it gives it that kind of military feeling as well, you know, for the marching hordes yep. of the orcs uh, there also. Yep. Yeah. And we had lots of uh, Morgoth's triad in there as well. Because um, Bulldog is, uh, is uh, uh, reports to, to Morgoth is, uh, in his allegiance. So. Right, right. Morgoth triad, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, I loved the yeah, I I, I love the 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 corrupted elf thing uh, there, and I could see lots of places where we can uh, kind of in, 
where that could get incorporated, you know, at really at some really interesting moments. Right. And possibly not even only when orcs show up um, themselves. Right. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, oh, that's um, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I love the as I say, I love this. This is exactly the kind of stuff that normally you're only vaguely aware of on a subconscious level. Right. So it's really fun to, uh, yeah, to, to yeah. hear it and think it through. Yeah. Well, I, I remember the first time I saw the two towers at the cinema. I was mm-hmm. anticipating the music, and then I came out and said, "What happened to the music? I didn't. I didn't take notice of the music." <laughs> yeah. yeah. I since it's I, look. It's only it's only it's only very rarely that I that I come out of watching a movie and think I got that I got like the music made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and one of those, if anyone has ever seen Cubo and the Two Strings, it's um, an animation, stop mm-hmm. animation, um, children's movie, a wonderful movie, but the, the the music and the magic in the story are intertwined. And that was how I was able to get what was happening with, with the music there. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. You've got to have your ear, you've got to have your ear in go, go, going, going in. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, well, that brings us to the third house, the House of Hadar, right? And uh, now, so let's see. So clearly the House of Hadar is much more, is the most military of the three, right? Um, and, um, you know, in in our, um, um, uh, you know, in our, our kind of way we were handling the three different houses in season five, we were really emphasizing that the House of Hador was the one who kind of joins with the elves as, you know, allies and 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 kind of uh, conscious collaboration with them um, rather than, you know, sort of first the subservience and then departure that we get with the House of Baor. Um, yep. So uh, what were some things that you were thinking about? And if you want to say as preamble for the, the House of Hador? Uh, well, the House of Hadol um, spawned some of the greatest heroes in the in in the story. Uh, so, from my point of view, this needed to have the potential to become something very heroic, in the same way that Halos theme did not. Right. Um, in the in 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 the opposite way. So, uh, by by a striking coincidence, that um, that um, the 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 leap. That... That we're talking about that one five leap is also used for uh, hero themes, right. uh, and the one one of the most one of the most famous is of course Star Wars. Um, yeah. right. <laughs> it starts off with that one five leap. Um, so Hadol is more sort of in homage to that kind of thing. Um, but I also I also went from the discussions that you um, and Nick had around, uh, and particularly around the the, the script uh, or the, the the script outline for the episode for Hadol, uh, where he has his first failure. He starts off with failure and then goes goes with with the elves and then comes back quite victorious so at first it's it's a sort of a it, it's sort of a, it's in a minor key and then as he makes that transition to being under the tutelage of the elves it's sort of with their influence it becomes a major key um and and follows more of the more of the the the, the heroes 
um, formula for for a theme. Yeah. Cool. Right, and so I'll vote yes. All right, let's hear this one.
nice. We got some we got some uh, dragon helm stuff in the end there. Yeah, so I couldn't resist. I had to put the dragon helm at the end there. <laughs> but, um, yeah, not 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 as big as the official dragon helm theme. Yeah, we only had two renditions of it there at the end. Yeah, but it yeah. slotted in so well into into his theme. Yeah, that's very very heroic and that um, sort of galloping uh, music going on there um, for their for their journey onto Ardgalen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That yeah, it's um, the yes, I like the, yes. The after after with the, the yeah, the cavalry yeah. stuff. After uh, after our music session, where I sort of where I where I where I said to you that I felt that the uh, that felt that the House of Haddle were just like the Rohirrim without the horses. Uh, you and Nick decided that they had horses. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So they're they're oh, just well, like the Rohirrim, except with slightly different horses. Is what we in the end decided. So I had to incorporate a horsey feel to it, and did the, exactly what exactly what Howard Shaw does in the in the Two Towers. It's like a right. They just add that beat to it, and suddenly, voila, you got horses. Right. Right. Here you go. Here you go. Yeah. Nick says uh, the beginning feels very Conan to him, which he says is exactly the feel that it should have. Uh, as you know, he says uh, Hador is the most Conan of all of our characters. Um, yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way, Nick, but I can, I can, I can, uh, I can feel that. Yeah. Nick apologizes. Says it's just it's a function of the geography, you know. <laughs> In the end, we needed to give the horses; <laughs> they couldn't so get very far running around. So, so that old bunny slid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We didn't want to go there, so uh, yeah, yeah. They they needed horses. Um, yeah, very cool. Marie says the music is hands down the best part of the Conan films. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> picking up on the best. Oh, that, that first one, that first one's a lot better than it deserves to be. You know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Especially that store. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. So the next one is, now, it is kind of an an application, right? As we come to the debate uh, in Estelon. Yes. 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 So so we're moving our way through the season with the with the uh, tunes. Um, yeah, and once again, that's that's a that's a picture of uh, Turin wearing the dragon helm, and so that's what. Yeah. There are no. There are no. Uh, uh, there's no artwork of Haddle wearing the dragon helm mm-hmm. at, all, at all. It's amazing. The there is some fabulous artwork out there, which and I have trawled the sites um, to find perfect, well, near to perfect artwork. But there's still some gaps in there. There are some. There are some. Uh, there are some big fan communities out there for for some. Um, I didn't realise there were huge Feanorian fan communities. Um, uh-huh. Oh, huge, absolutely huge, um, the, and the, and they hold the Feanorians up as gods almost. Uh, <laughs> and done all this, all this uh, fan fiction and artwork um, around them. Just a, just another word, the oath of Feanor. It got picked up by some of those Feanorian communities. Oh yeah, and it's now my it's now my my, my most viewed video. Um, <laughs> prior to that, my most viewed was the very first one, Lubitar, which had about a thousand views. This now has over six and a half thousand views. I'm stoked. I'm stoked. There you go. <laughs> Everybody loves Feanor, so there you are. <laughs> 
Okay, so now the the debate theme is a shorter one. So this is one. Is is it connected explicitly to the hot or theme, or is it uh, just kind of for the sort of discord and unsettled, um, you know, time in Estelad? Yes, it's a it's a new theme, uh, and this is a this is the theme by Megan Megan Sell. Uh, okay. She she yeah 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 she posted this. Um, I um I uh, she shared some of her files with me, so I've given it the same treatment as uh, as my uh, pieces get. Um, so it's so it's a bit a bit more polished. Um, but uh, yeah, she was uh, she posted this uh, earlier this season, and um, she was back in season two, and she and she posted this as uh, this is something that she was inspired to write about the debates of the Valor. And uh, and so the, the the video shows that, uh, but also I said, look, that's entirely applicable for the for the debate at Estelad, uh, and we can we can reuse that theme uh, from season two, season one and two, um, into season five with 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 Estelad. Um, so so yeah yeah she's done a great job with this. It's not connected with any other themes, but it's it, I think it fits in quite well um, uh, musically with with uh, with the other work. Great. All right, let's hear it. very surprising the the, the mm, kind of mm. I, I don't think it was bells was it like a glockenspiel or something there at the end the um yes i think in the end i substituted a um oh what was it what was it a vibraphone that's right okay. a vibraphone um yes yeah yeah well i love the way that um it's like different instruments taking over the taking over the theme, and then another one would cut in and and take over the theme again. And there are lots of little clashing notes everywhere as the as different points of view would would be would be opposing each other. Um, yeah, yeah, I I, just, I just thought it was great and well well done to Megan for uh, for getting that one out there. Yeah. So I, yeah. yes, so I, I hosted it on my. She was fine with me hosting it on my uh, YouTube channel. Yeah, that's great. Well, it's great to to have her contribution there. That's real. That's real. And I do like the way that that works for, um, without just being. You know, one of the things that was, um, that I was kind of most interested with it is that there there was less sort of clash than I expected there might be. You know, um, instead there was more of a the kind of give and take as you were describing, like as the the you know the theme is passing from one instrument to another uh, there, which was. As I say, a, a debate theme I expected to be a little bit more discordant than it was, 
<laughs> but I think that's that's kind of interesting, actually. <laughs> yeah, cool. And and yet, look, there are no there are no artwork of the debated Estelade. No one is at all interested in doing any visual visual representations of that. <laughs> no fake Amlock art out there at all. No. Nope. Wow. Nope. Wow. Wow. That is shocking. That is shocking. As you say, there's interesting, um, interesting holes in uh, the fan community's uh, focus. Uh, yeah. Yeah. One of the one of the interesting things that I came across is there's this real um, connection between Halif and Karanthir. There's there's and and one thing one thing I I missed in in that script. I, and what these communities are saying is that Halif and Karen, they've fought shoulder to shoulder, side by side. And I actually would love to see that in the episode. I think that would have been just the icing on the cake. And then they can look at each other coolly after that. But for the, but for the first part, yep. Um, I think, yeah, I would have loved to see that scene. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Maria's taking notes. Uh, she says, so there we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you can do you can do like a five minute fight scene by just saying they fight, and then right. Cover. Yeah, I mean it's and it, you know because we have them, you know we have the Fanorians coming in on horseback, right? As more of a you know less a we're joining the battle and more of a we're you know the relief column coming in to mop things up, um, mm-hmm. and you know approaching from the completely other side. It's a little Carinthia um, would have to do a lot to get to her you know because he's you know they're surrounding the stockade and he's coming in from the back so yeah. he'd have to yeah, just cut the, his way yeah. all the way through just just sometimes where 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 um we want the payoff we right. really want the payoff right right <laughs> and that's that's that fits into that that particular category Right, exactly. I agree. Yeah, Nick, I, I'm with you, as you could hear from what I'm saying. Nick was saying that would be very difficult to arrange logistically. Just saying. Yeah, no, I was thinking the same, Nick. I'm like, it's he'd have to carve his way all the way up to the front and then fight alongside her. Right? It's like if Karanthir and ha- and Haleth meet each other, the orcs are gone, <laughs> right? Because I mean, they were between them all, right? So uh, yeah, it's not not impossible, but it would be challenging. Um, uh, but um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Marie's thinking the only way she can think of it happening is if it works the other way. If if Haleth initiated a sortie and ends up meeting, you know, him uh, there, maybe that could work. Interesting. Um, yeah, like an cool. echo of Aragorn and Eomer on Belmont. Yep, yep. That's the end, and and in the aftermath. Uh, but obviously, this will be rolled out during and post probably um, when um, uh, Agnor. And um, uh, and, and his brother and Engrod, is, uh, yeah, yeah, Engrod, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 meet, yeah, meet, meet their death. So that, those really confronting scenes where we're seeing elves getting getting uh, trodden on, um, and and killed. Uh, yes, I would I would envisage uh, this theme being being used then. This is a really important piece in my development of themes uh, because it it fits hand in hand with the grief of men, the the, the uh, gift of Iluvatar theme. It, it follows the same chord structure, but it is much slower. And I'm going to, don't ask me how yet, but I'm going to use those two themes 
for next season uh, because next season is, uh, I believe, the first time that the show will have the need for the third theme from the anal interlake. So as you know, I did the first theme back in the Girdle of Melian. Right. I did the second theme last season for the uh, Resistance is Fruitful. Um, Resistance against Morgoth is Fruitful. And then this, and then next season, uh, when Luthien uh, dances before Mandos, that right. to me is that mixture of the grief of men and the sorrow of the elder. So I needed to have two distinct themes for those two ideas to be able to mix them into a third theme, which will give me my third theme for the Anal Inlay and another step towards writing that piece of music. There you go. There you go. Pretty soon you will have written the whole music of the Einar, which is... I know, I know. Need to get it, need to... Yeah. I got to think that's pretty much right. It's like the, you know, the career apogee for for any composer, right? Is to write the music of the Einar. It's hard to go up from there. It's never been done. It's never been done well. It's been done. It hasn't been done well. Yeah, yeah. Until the second theme happens. Yeah. Until the second music. Until the yeah, exactly, exactly, oh. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so sorrow of the Eldar.
I really like the uh, the the choral voices that come in there in the second half. Um, that was it was you know, the the kind of the sense that that gives of the kind of communal effect here. You know, we're not. Mm-hmm. It's not just it's just the sorrow of individual Eldar here or there, right? It's it's you know this this sense of. Um, That's right. Yeah, for the whole the whole you know the, the whole kind of Elvish perspective, the whole Elvish community. Yeah. It also has some elements of my uh, Neander theme uh, creeping in there mm-hmm. um, with the um, that bit there is from right. is from uh, Neander's theme, and there's another bit in the in, in there that, that draws from that as well. But I was I was very careful not to draw heavily on this. This was this wasn't going to be a Neander theme because the text and I've and uh, the text to me quite clearly says that the third theme of the Ain Lindelay had no input from the Valar. It all came from Iluvatar and the and and contained the the grief of men and the sorrow of the Eldar. Right. So for me, there there was no this was this was not a sort of a, a, a callback to 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 Nienna. Um, but but there were some elements which echo her theme in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. You can't go too heavy into uh, uh, into Nienna, but but it's a um, just the idea that there would be some kind of touch, some kind of context, uh, you know, Nienna mm. context uh, to their sorrow. Um, yeah, because of course that's one of the, that's one of the things that is. <sighs> Sort of particular right to the grief of the Eldar is they have a different context for it, right? Mm. They understand mm. it differently in the context of Arda as a whole, right? Um, uh, and that's another thing that I really liked about that 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 choral rise there at the end, um, because again, it's it that's that's part of it, right? It's um, human grief is more likely to be sort of local, you know, right. Tie, you know, focus on your own experience, the experience of those around you. Right. Whereas again, elves, when elves are grieving, it's like a part of their recognition of Arda Mard. Right. I mean, like their connection with Arda long-term and, and seeing um, the whole big picture that way. It's always, there seems to me to that seems to me to be an important conceptual element, right, of the grieving of the Eldar, um, mm-hmm. because it, it you know even as we've talked about before, even their reaction to things like physical suffering and death is not the same. Like it's not a loss in the same way to the Eldar in the same way that that is like dying in battle or having your friends and family die in battle. It's not that it's meaningless, right? It's not that it isn't sad, mm, but it doesn't mm. mean the same thing to elves that it does to humans. And so it's, it's, but, but again, that, and that's one of the ways in which I think characterizing that difference, uh, uh, is one way to think about it is that larger, wider view, which they all share, which they all kind of partake in. So again, that's, that's, that's the other reason why I really mm. like that, that element. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it re- it really focuses on um, w- w- one of the themes that you spoke on uh, this year about how long it takes elves to do something. So the as I said, the chord structure is the same as the uh, grief of men uh, and the gift of the Luvatar theme, but it's played at about one third the one third the tempo. 
that chord nice. structure going down. Da, da. In the men, it was da, 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 da. In this one, it's da, da, da. Nice. Da. It takes them even longer to grieve. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. It would have been hard to do it at a one uh, twelfth pace, but uh, same, same idea. Same idea. Uh, sorry, making a nature of Middle Earth math jokes uh, now. You certainly couldn't have done it at one one hundred and forty fourth the tempo. Um, but um, uh, but yeah, no, that's cool. That's that's uh, that's really neat. That's a really fun uh, sort of Easter egg. Okay, and now the big one, right? The Athrobeth, uh, the Athrobeth theme. Um, anything you want to lead into with this one? Uh, yeah, firstly, there's a lot of text in this one. There is so much text to get through in the so much great text that I wanted to put into this one, but couldn't. Uh, but even though I crammed in a little bit more, so probably first time through, ignore the text as much mm-hmm. as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I wanted to say, okay, so so the piece begins with some clashing music. So what? So the, they are the two different themes. So the, this 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 piece develops an elvish theme, and it develops it develops a human theme. Mm-hmm. Um, so so the first part of it, when there are just two instruments playing, it's the human and elf theme playing against each other, and there are some clashing elements to it, which are not. I had a comment saying it doesn't sound very good. So it's not supposed to. They're they're actually clashing in right. in their whole outlook about life, um, and. And um, in speaking about this one, the Elvish one as being in Lydian mode, it has, as I said before, that that uh, rising, that major, major, and then minor. But then it just rocks back and forth between that at the at the at the beginning. It just goes. Uh, actually, I think it just goes up up there, then down, then up. It just rocks back and forth, and then finally going up to there. So I wrote a human theme which used the same the same chord structure, but the really good thing about using that Lydian mode is that it very easily translates into the Ionian, which right. is the the basic the basic right, the, the normal major scale yeah, right. by going, and it resolves quite nicely. Right. So I've so, used I've used that element to resolve the human human theme, whereas the Elvish theme doesn't really resolve. Right. And the other the other thing about it is that I sort of, oh, what, what can I do with, with, with Lydian? I suppose I could, I'll, let's just do a scale. So I just started and worked work my way up through the chords just to show how alien they were. And then and then when I put the two themes, and, and of course had to, re, had to write a new human theme around the same chord structure, but I then cheated and said, well, Humans aren't alien. We're like we understand us, um, right. and put it more into that Ionian feel, right. the basic major feel. And when I did that, and when you, this is where the beauty, I think, of the of the whole piece comes across. It's when the two races move together, move ahead together, is when harmony happens. And at the very end, so, so at the beginning, I said we've got the two themes playing against each other. That's just for the static bum, 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 not going anywhere. It's just staying there. But once you get to the moving piece where, where it does that scale up, 
the very end is the two themes played over each other and there is such I think just beautiful harmony between between the two themes and that that is my stepping off point into season five sorry season six season six right right yeah oh very cool um so once again and, and i've really slowed down the elvish theme a lot so you once again you hear the three elvish notes but it's really really slow and Tara, this is a this one has a first this is the first use of synthesizer oh okay oh. synthesizer and i've really because we're really going into that alienness of uh, elvish culture compared to human that's where i where i've used it to and it gives a real depth and the really good thing about synthesizer is that it has a delay <laughs> when it's played and then the sound comes in, which really fits in well with elves uh, anyway. Right, right. Cool. All right. Let's hear us. Uh, wait, no, let's hear this one. The only real sports are auto racing full fight. Hang on. All right. Hang on. I got to do the ad here. And uh, skipping the ads. All right.
Excellent. Excellent. Um, I, I did like how it, how it comes together at the end. So you're trying to, you're basically sort of shaping the, shaping their discussion, their, their, their lack of understanding of each other, right? They're kind of speaking at cross purposes and describing their own, you know, perspectives at the beginning. Um, and then through to growing understanding and that image of their hands reaching to each other across the, across the Gulf. Yes, yes, yes. Um, with there are some elements in there that uh, that need pointing out. Um, in in the middle, the uh, there's sort of a transitional uh, uh, section where where a lot of the elf elements drop off, but human elements are introduced. And the first introduction you get um, is um, is the the violins going. Bum, 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 bum. Then it's and it's basically that's that one five in the same book. Wait, there's death, <laughs> death, 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 death. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, uh, so um, yes, yes, and 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 having that sort of combination of the fourth, the fourth chord and the fifth chord, and, and that rocking back and forth, uh, the major, major with the, with the elf theme. At the very end, it hangs on for so long before finally resolving, um, in, in, and it sounds finally resolved then um, at the very end. But I, yeah, I just wanted that, that final unresolved chord to, to hang there for as long as possible. Uh, then that, and that, but that's how the Elvish, that's how the Elvish music finishes. It finishes, um, finishes in that because they just keep on going on and on and on. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, so I think I, yeah. And it wasn't until I had a, I had to listen to it at the end and thought, yeah, it wasn't until I actually moved the themes along together and did that upward scale that they actually meshed and, and, and work well together. Yeah. Cool. I think, I, I, yeah, I felt, I, I think, I think with, um, it took me a while to work out which images to put where on that. Um, and obviously there, there are images there when Andreth is talking about her grief, uh, with, with the loss of the relationship with Agnor, which are heavily embedded in the elf section, mm -hmm. but I thought, mm -hmm it's better to look at, to look at that as this is the elvish point of view right. and not so much, this is Andreth's grief, but right. this is, this is the situation, the elvish, right. the immovability of the elves, which has caused the grief. So focusing on, on right. that aspect rather than the human grief at those times. Right. Yeah, no, I, 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 I like that. I think that makes, I think that makes a lot of sense there. Yeah. All right. Well, as always, when we do our music episodes, we're going super long. So I'm starting to feel guilty about how yeah, long we're going that's here. Fine. And I know we've got a couple long pieces still ahead. So we'll you should probably not push along. Guys. <laughs> yeah, you should probably probably push along uh, to uh, the un so you have uh, Ungoliant Nand Ungorthab. So uh, tell me about the, yes. the kind of the combination there. So uh, Nand Ungorthab really had to have its roots in Ungoliant. Uh, right. And I'd never done any music for Ungoliant. I listened to a lot of music to get inspiration for this, and in the end, I'm still not entirely happily with it. Happy with it. I'd listened to uh, Jerry Goldsmith's score for Aliens, his his scores, his score for a lot of uh, Star Trek: First Contact, which has a lot of 
really unusual, unexpected music in it. I listened to Howard Shaw's The Fly and watched The Fly a couple of times, um, uh, as well as Howard Shaw's music for Shelob. Um, so in the end, I came up with this and I wanted to, in, in, in Howard Shaw's The Fly, he comes up with a six note motif, um, which is, I think, that's it. Which to me is the six legs of a fly. Right, right. So I've done I've I've done eight legs for Ungoliant, and basically so this this result revolved this whole piece revolves around two chords. Um, so and then so there's two chords, but C diminished, and then the the uh, the, the the B flat minor just rocks back and forth between those and so many different variations be, be, between the two. In the end, I couldn't actually make a distinction, but just um, if you want to do, and, and also, um, yeah, if you want to do Ungolian, just make it big and bold um, with, those, with those eight notes. <laughs> right, right. Right, exactly. Because we didn't really, did we do an Ungolian theme in season one? No. No, no, I never did that. I really, and I'm still missing a few, um, a few Valar themes as well. So, so, mm. so I've always, I, there's a whole lot that I want to go back and do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this will give us a chance, of course, because it will connect through to Shilob and everything. So we'll have uh, plenty yeah. of opportunities for deploying this in different contexts. So, all right, cool. Let's hear it. <laughs>
like the 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 creepy climbing note sequences uh uh and how they 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 started kind of small and then they kind of got bigger <laughs> over the, <laughs> towards the end there um yeah the, the, the smaller the spider the quicker those the quicker the quicker yeah. those notes go <laughs> yeah exactly exactly uh, at really the cool. end there i used the tubular bells on that bang um towards the end there and um and it's they're played at the end of the at the, the end of the note and this is a thing that jerry goldsmith did in alien um quite use use the tubular bells but not at the beginning but at the end of of a beat and i thought oh, i've only used tubular bells in in reference to doom in the past like that's mm -hmm. part of mandos's theme and it's also part of the doom theme but i figured if you're there and you've got a freaking great spider in front of you you've pretty much met your doom <laughs> there's doom <laughs> definitely doom involved yeah yeah um now tell me about the integration of the girdle uh theme in there because of course nand and gortheb in, in yes. particular is is important you know that that kind of border situation is really important there yeah i i just wanted to splice that in and get across the get across the feeling that the that that when hellas people are going through and to a lesser extent when the when the elves are passing through that there's there's two elements working here to 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 work on that idea of madness and um and possibly a little yeah i think i think i really up the reverb on 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 those bits as well to mm -hmm. sort of get that 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 echoey thing going mm -hmm. i think i can hear voices and that that real stepping into fairy right right yeah yeah, and it's it's that kind of emerging in the middle of the all the creepy, gloomy spider stuff uh, is really is a really fun effect because it's it kind of on the one hand almost sounds like um, a resistance of it, right? Um, yeah. yeah, and it is. I mean, it doesn't it is. join with it, right? But yet it it's. But it's part of it, right? I mean, it's, it it creates part of that overall effect. It it does kind of join with you know join with it in a sense. Um, uh, anyway, I, I I thought that was I, I thought that that was a really good idea, and I think that worked out really well. Okay, so we have two really long ones. Would you want to kind of um, so we got the Nana Elmoth Suite and then the Harid Suite. So this is like a so um, the Nana Elmoth Suite is designed to kind of go over like bunches of different sort of elements of yes. the Nan, the Nano yes. uh storyline. Would you want to maybe kind of narrate over it a little bit as we go through it? Um I I think it'll be okay because I've okay. put text through as well. Okay. Uh so the text will text will help you with 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 the story. Um but pretty much I've started with with Melian. I've gone back a few seasons and started with Melian in right. uh Nan Elmoth. Uh and then shown how Eol has warped warped right. the whole forest, uh, his creepy influence, and then of course the introduction of Aradhel into the into the story, the birth of Maeglin, and then the journey all the way to Gondolin and the and and uh and Maeglin being being established there. One thing I did want to say, probably don't, don't have time to listen to it, but um, uh, Ange, 1E4E5, I've got his name right this time, um, <laughs> is always posting musical things, uh, musical suggestions on the forum, and he actually suggested for Maeglin that I use as inspiration Anakin's theme from The Phantom Menace. Now, people wouldn't, may not know what that is because it doesn't 
feature prominently in the actual movie. But if you're a completionist like me and you sit to the very end of the credits, it plays in its entirety at the very end of the credits and uh, you should go and listen to it because it, it sets up a foreshadowing for Anakin's uh, future, which which we which you will know when you when you're seeing the movie. So I've done that with Myglin. I've tried to set up a um, a very distinctive um, um, uh, uh, Nan Nan Elmoth theme. Eol uh, um, and his Eol's warping. So Eol has his own theme, um, and because there's this tug of war between Aradel and Eol over Myglin. Maglin's theme ends sometimes with Aradel's Gondolin theme or sometimes with with Eol's own theme. Right. And we'll see that as as the story goes through. Interesting. Interesting. That's cool. It makes me think, by the way, um, do you think we need like a a treachery motif at some point? Right? Like that maybe we maybe we need something like that. I don't know. Um uh, I think but... that, I think this one is 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 a pretty good indication. <laughs> final two notes you'll say oh my god yeah <laughs> moving in that direction yeah yeah exactly okay all right let's hear it oh and i also wanted there to be a slow transition from nightingales to a different sort of bird which fits in well with the theme of the season
cheerful ending. It's a cheerful <laughs> ending. <laughs> and everybody lives happily ever after in Gondola. Well, most everybody. Well, very few of them. But uh, there's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, the transition from Melian to Aeol was was wonderful. I loved that. Uh, the 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 that you could feel the darkening of the wood. Um, uh, the transition from the uh, uh, from the nightingale to the to the was it was it, is it a raven or a crow? Either take your peek. Yeah, exactly. Probably crows. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was that was uh, uh, that was really cool. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I figured that fits in well with our uh, Harrod story as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. In- initially, it, it, it that 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 depth that you hear at the very beginning is a hark back to um, the girdle again. We talked about the, the 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 magic, the very deep magic that at the, at the center of Nan Elmoth being uh, what Melian used to create the girdle as well. Um, so it's just doing that, but then I've warped it to. In the end, that's what it becomes. Right. Um, that that's his warping of that of that magic. Right, right. I've wanted him to have a really memorable theme um, in the same way that Darth Vader has the Empire theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone knows that. Uh, so it had to become really memorable. So um, it became this. Just, just that little motif um, should be enough to recognise. And so at the very end... You get the with Maglin being in Gondolin, you get the half, and the very last two notes are. <laughs> and it's like, oh my god! <laughs> yes, yes. Bad seed, bad seed there. Yeah, it'll be fun to hear that coming out again during the in the treachery and in the fall and the integration of that into the fall of Gondolin uh, uh, theme later on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. But everyone should go and listen to Anakin's theme because it, it at the end of the, the 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 credits for the Phantom Menace, because it does that so well. I used to always think that oh oh yeah I can just hear the Empire theme there, but I didn't realize that was Anakin's theme. Right. 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 Yeah. No, you know, until until some film, I had, for some reason it had never registered in my mind that. Not almost was also the place where Single and Million met before, mm-hmm. and that kind of weird parallel between Single and Million and Neil and Arzel, um, and having those two things connected in the same suite is really because it's really cool. Yeah. I was that you get you get to see that you get to see that sort of parallel there. Yeah, yeah, and it it really emphasizes that. Um... Just, it, it brings out something that is easy to overlook uh, in the text, in which we kind of dealt with in the uh, in the script, in you know the scripts and the the story to some extent. But I think the the music brings out even more strongly, which is the the parallel right between Melian, you know, Thingol coming in and being ensnared by Melian's beauty, right, which is a happy 
ensnarement, right? It's a it's a good thing, right? Uh, and Arathel coming in and being ensnared by Aeol, right? And it's you know so that 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 warping of it, right? It's um, a creepy parallel, um, uh, and uh, and and so yeah, Tony, I was thinking the same thing. The the juxtaposition of those two musically was was really powerful in that way. Really kind of acts upon the story in in really interesting ways. Um, yeah, no, that's if you, uh, if you listen if you listen to the sections where Aradel is being ensnared, mm-hmm. if you just take away the the gondolin theme over the top, that da 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 da, just take that mm-hmm. away and listen to what's behind that, and that would be what you have when Amlak is being ensnared. <laughs> listen to it in that. So I couldn't put that in because that was purely film film, and. Right really fit in the context of, of what I was doing, but, but think about it that way. Right. Right. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, one of the things I, 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 I love Phil, you seem to have um, uh, been kind of integrating narrative into your compositions much more this year than I remember in years past. There were like elements and kind of concepts that you were developing yes. before, uh, but you're doing much more of a, of a sort of narrative. And I know that in an actual score, we'd be getting bits, you know, here and there, you know, at different points in the episode. And it's not like we'd be at any point just listening to this, you know, like this chunk for all the way through, um, you know, at that, you know, in the, but but still like the, the way that it all kind of comes together, it's 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 really interesting to see that that narrative being. Yeah. Uh, being yeah. Yeah. And I've been relying on the text to do that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and purely because, I mean, tell me, what do Manway do? I mean, right. Manway's Manway. He didn't do anything. Right. <laughs> there, right. there aren't there aren't strong narratives built around the, the around the valor or the concepts that that, that I was writing uh, themes for before. But I have found in this in this season there are much stronger storylines that need to that 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 need to be displayed somehow. Uh, mm-hmm. So I have relied more on the text to 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 get that through. And uh, otherwise, the, the the music, people wouldn't know what to anchor the music to. Right, right. The Valor don't have a lot of character development, really. Right. No. Well, no, exactly. Yeah, th- there isn't that same that same dress. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is a kind of a natural progression. I mean, as you say, season one is going to be mostly, you know, snapshots trying to capture you know, the idea, the concept in a more sort of static way, but anyway. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, so let's let's uh let's hear the the the, the Herod suite as I, as we uh... This one is hot off the press. Okay. Oh, I've been working desperately to get this one done over the last I know five to seven days. I had a, little, a few elements here and there. Um but so it hasn't had the full orchestral treatment yet. Um, it's and there are a few elements that I will probably still work on a little bit more, but it basically tells tells the story in very brief form. But what I'm really trying to do is is showcase the different themes that would be played during the during the Harad uh, sequences. Um, I've rooted it in at the beginning and the end in Howard Shaw's themes because we're we're now third age, um, right. v- yep. very much in the in in the Rings uh, time of of the movies. So I have borrowed from his scores there. You'll see you'll hear at the very end how my 
Myron theme is a variation of the Mordor ring theme uh, mm -hmm. from the movies, and you'll suddenly listen to it and say, oh, yeah, it is. It's some, it may have been hard to think. Uh, this has a lot of little themes in it. Uh, the, 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 the main theme with Harrod, as I said, I have um, used that 1-5, mm -hmm. but I've actually used Phrygian mode this time. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I've used Phrygian mode because the main theme, and this will be really interesting when we get to the Black Gate, because we'll be having a very, very disquieting sound there. Um, and and that will be taken on to the Black Gate in the in in the Lord of the Rings uh, by the mouth of Sauron. Nice. Um, so I hope that that is really. But yeah, the one five uh, with that second with that uh, semitone just above the bass note there. Uh, I've also put in a theme um, when Gandalf's on the on on the ship on his way. Uh, I've I hadn't done this goes back to Olmo's theme. I only did a very little bit of Olmo's theme and Olmo and the Shoreland Pipers, but I've expanded a bit on that into this really sort of soothing, waxing and waning type type sound. Um, there, um, I've put in there's some diegetic music, uh, for the, for the marketplace, right? And they get travels through, so so music that's just in, in the environment. Uh, there's the theme of Harrod. Uh, I've given the Mouth of Sauron and the covert operations going on their own theme, which is which is the basically uh, going back to the Myron theme. Mm -hmm. that, that, that that should be very familiar to everyone. I've also given Gandalf his own theme. He's never had a theme before in Howard Shaw's works, and I'm working on something which is in the line of the Order of the, the Order of Wizards which I was pleased to find. I looked at the word Istari and thought, is that it? And when I looked at the text, it's, 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 um, uh, sorry, what is it? Istarian, the, um, the, the order of the wizards has, yeah. has a longer name in, in, in Quenya, in Quenya. Um, so I've used the timing of that to, to create this, this little melody, um, which, can be used um, for different wizards in different ways, but, but it'll have that same sort of timing. Um, so it'll be sort of so to, to get across the idea of the order. Um, so, um, and of course the elephants in there as well, the, the Mimikil, hope you like that. And I'm hoping that I, in the final script, I haven't really read the final script, but I'm hoping that there's a slight element of disbelief when they when they think that they're really going to ride out of there on a couple of uh, elephants. <laughs> Because it lends a little bit to that. So, so yeah, as I said, this is this is not the final version. I'll work on it some more and um, polish it. Nick was just more. saying, "Tell me, we have an elephant stampede theme." <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Very good. All right, here we go. <laughs>
I love the closing theme there. That, there's more. Uh, oh, wait, there's, there's more. more. Did I stop it there's too soon? Oh, dear. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, my God. <laughs> the Mordor theme there at the end. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Excellent. The, the diegetic music when he, you guys are party walking to them, I can totally see in my mind eye Gandalf in the gray wool robes and the giant hat walking through there and like he's looking completely out of place, you know, <laughs> but there he is, and, you know, and I just, I love it. I think that's great. I, I always envisaged that Gandalf would go a bit native, and he would uh, he would not wear the typical pointy hat and wear something a bit more like iconic as well. That uh, mm -hmm. but, but not, yeah. <laughs> it was changing on the boat, you know, uh, despite on the ship down, you know, uh, disposing of his hat and uh, wrapping a turban around his head or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, but oh, I agree. That was uh, I loved the um, the marketplace uh, music. That was uh, uh, I, I, the, and then leading into the Queen's theme uh, there. Uh, you know, so you get both the uh, you know the kind of local color and then the you know the grandeur of the palace there. Uh, that was a really nice mm -hmm. transition there. And, yeah, I was uh, experimenting as well with a, um, a sort of a Numenor theme there. I think I mentioned before that I'd mm. like to do a five-note theme. Uh, mm. So when you see the palace, it's it's a relic of Numenor. So I put in that five-note, what I envisage would be, but I may change that. <laughs> I may find a better five-notes. I heard that John Williams uh, uh, tried 200 different uh, variations of the five-notes for Close Encounters of the Third Kind before he settled on those particular five-notes. Oh. So. Right. Right. Awesome. Well, that is just spectacular. I mean, I, 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 my, I think my other favorite part of this one was the, um, the, the, the coup music, right. When, uh, uh, when, when everything really turns, um, and the kind of transition into that with the, um, the kind of evil, uh, parade music, like the evil, uh, you know, the, the, the mouth of Sauron presiding over the festival, uh, you, you know, so like the creepy ominous festival music, then leading into the, uh, into the music for the, for the, for the coup, um, was, uh, uh, was very cool. Uh, I really, I really liked that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was, wasn't, wasn't until the very end that I like, Yesterday, I think that I that I uh, decided to uh, use the, uh, the that 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 Harrod City theme mm -hmm. for the sun when he in a wistful way when he was leaving, and it just had the very slightest change. Instead of that, it was just a. a... Just a semitone difference, and it puts a whole different feel to it completely as the son he's, he's lost the old son has lost everything right. uh, and he'll never see him again except when he goes there with Farondor. 
Right. Exactly. Well, I was going to say, yeah, well, exactly. As I was going to say, we can, uh, we can certainly bring back his theme when his character returns uh, during the, during the Thorongo arc, which I'm hoping will span mm-hmm. several seasons uh, as we, you know, later on down the road. Awesome. Well, I'm feeling guilty because I think we've set a record for like longest film film episode ever in the history of some film well, episodes. Well, I've, uh, I've set a record for, for length of themes. I never thought that I'd beat the, 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 the hiding of Valinor, but two of them this time two have of gone them longer, this time. Than, yeah. longer than that. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, it's... I think an important thing I was discussing with Nick recently, um, I've, I've been pushed into a lot more uh, creative, adventurous mm-hmm. uh, music than I was doing at the very beginning. Uh, and Nick, Nick commented and said, yeah, creatively, the creative people have come sort of leaps and bounds over, over the seasons. So we've been really, really stretched um, to, to create uh, even, even more and more wonderful stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I agree. I think that we've all kind of grown through this project in lots of different ways. Um, I was, um, uh, yeah, I mean, even, you know, my own thinking about the books. I mean, one of the reasons that I was excited to do this project from the beginning was I was like, oh, man, this is going to give um, such a wonderful new you know, like fresh way of looking at the Silmarillion material and, and really kind of digging into the story in whole new ways, which it certainly has. Um, but just as, as you were just talking about, and as Nick was, you know, saying to you before, um, it's, it's also been sort of so much more than in, in addition, right. In addition to this, uh, you know, kind of new and deeper encounter with, uh, with the text of the Silmarillion itself, all of the, uh, the ways that we have all been, uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, growing and, and expanding during this process is a lot of fun. So um, awesome. Well, that is just spectacular. I'm really looking forward to uh, moving. Baron and Luthien has so much potential for, you know, the score for season six is uh, is, is going to be a big deal. Song deal. Oh man, third exactly. Theme. You've got the third got, for the Iron Windlight. You have to do Dire on the Minstrel, uh, the Finrod Sauron uh, uh, song duel, as you say. You know, <laughs> we're going to have the whole like Huon Karkaroth thing going on. And oh man, there's just, uh, um, yeah, so much, so much uh, to be, not to mention. Luthien's song before Morgoth, Luthien's song before uh, uh, before Mandos, right, as you were talking mm-hmm. about, where we're going to mm-hmm. get the third theme. Um, uh, oh, man. Uh, so much. <laughs> so much. <laughs> so it's going to be awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Phil, for all of your work on this. It's been just wonderful. Um, I'm telling you that I, and I'm still... Um, even just from that first song, you know, the way that you have taken up the, uh, you know, the kind of, I threw out some pretty random and ridiculous musical challenges during the course of this season. And you've done a wonderful, wonderful job with those. And Tony, thank you so much for, uh, for your contributions as well. Again, that the one central iconic song of, uh, of, you know, really dominating the, especially the first half of the season and in particular, the stories of men, um, uh, was, uh, you know, you've really uh, kind of made that a, 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 a sort of a signature uh, thing there for this season. And I really appreciate that. That's uh, uh, and I'm now totally 
going to have that song in my head for several days. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, very good. Okay, well, I, I will say at the end of this, I suspect the longest ever film film episode. Uh, <laughs> we have one more episode in season five. Um, we're going to finish the Dagor Bragalach and do the duel with Fingolfin and Morgoth next time. So uh, that's going to be huge. Um, and that will bring to a close uh, season five, which is the uh, epic record longest season ever as well. So um, uh, so join us for that. And that's so that's going to be two weeks time. So that's going to be what the 21st of uh, October. Um, and then we will be uh, bringing everything uh, to an end there. So thanks, everybody, for joining us. And I will say, as always, thanks for listening and Godspeed.